0: DNA Insights,
1: Episode 5.
0: Hello, and welcome to our fifth and final episode of our DNA Insights for this series. The first part of this episode is going to be, we're going to be talking about free play and that spectrum of free play to then more structured play, which I know we kind of briefly talked about at the beginning of the last episode. Um, but I kind of want to dive into more detail about that before we then summarise everything that we've talked about. So that spectrum from free play to a more direct structured play play mm. can we just break those down a little bit what what do they mean exactly
1: yeah I, I think that this is part of the issue with us trying to change the culture because you might have this idea that we need to get the children to play more um we've got this notion of free play we've got play more games we've got do this do that and and the terminology actually confuses things rather than um explains it so if we look at free play and how important it is for young children forget football this is about children who take ownership and are empowered to play independently so they freely choose to engage in whatever they choose to to do yeah um there is a huge benefit in that particularly if that's um both in a solitary way or if it's engaging with other children at the same time. There's the opportunity for um, negotiation. You know, if two children are not quite on the same wavelength, then uh, you want my toy and I want to do this. And so there's the opportunities to negotiate. But if the parent keeps in or the adult keeps intervening, children never learn these skills because somebody sorts it out for them and it's almost like allowing children to to just play for football for a period of time where nobody says anything yeah so the children can just sort it out for themselves and then if we think actually if I give this bit of advice it might really help Mm -hmm. then that's the time to do it so we've got this notion of of free play and and how important it is for young children but it's only important if they are can take responsibility for it if they're empowered to make their choices within this, this free play and it allows them to develop, problem solve, to, to plan, to organise and to really do it all of themselves without yeah. any adult intervention.
0: So the other end of that spectrum then? that's
1: The other end, if you, if you want to look at it like this, so we've got children playing freely here and then we've got something called deliberate practice at the other end. This might be for people who are committed to improving a specific aspect of their their skill, their game or their technique. Yeah. And they've taken um, a deliberate choice to actually say, right, I need to spend some time on this, focusing on this to the point where I can take me from here to there. So there's a real focus on, on what they're trying to deliver, yeah. uh, what they're trying to improve and what they're trying to... Um, add to their game there's a whole continuum of choices of what practice can look like in between those two extremes yeah and I think this is what coaches need to become better at because um, if you either go completely that end and just let the inmates take control of the asylum or that's how it might seem yeah even though for me there's a lot of good things happening there or if you've got such a stranglehold on the session that you control every decision every choice everything that happens you're missing out on all the richness of learning that can happen by all the all the little bits in between
0: so typically then as a as a football nation where do you think we tend to fall on or have fallen historically on this continuum
1: um I think the is king is probably, you know, a phrase that springs to mind yeah. where the coach seems to hold all the power, have all the answers, can solve all the problems. And for me, what it, do, what it breeds is a generation of players who if there's a situation to um, overcome in the game, they're looking to the touchline for the coach to solve it for them because yeah. that's what's happened every step of the way. I think if you move a little bit towards the... the free play and the, and the ownership and choice and the independence of learning that can happen when children play freely or, or any players play freely what you're doing is handing the decision making process over to them mm-hmm. handing the problem solving over to them yeah and you're there almost as a checking mechanism as almost like someone who has all the answers so if they need them you can help yeah but you don't you don't structure it in a way you. that you're almost giving them the answers before the the problems even been yeah. you know happened. So I, I think that the better coaches get at working in between those in order to meet the individual needs of their team and their individual yeah. players, I think that's when you've got a coach who's really on the uh, who's on the way to becoming you know highly sophisticated yeah. in their their coaching craft.
0: Because obviously you want coaches and players to exist fluidly at both ends of the spectrum and depending on the situation that they're in or in what, whatever context that they're in, they can go, oh, I need to move more to this end of the spectrum. And then a different scenario will go, oh, I need to move on to this end of yeah. the spectrum. Because so in, in my head, and, and and I'm nowhere near a footballing expert, but if I was just to look and, and my opinion of looking back at how our British teams have played, um, I would go, I feel like we're more towards the, you know, direct practices and it's a bit more structured and it's and it's we like we operate this way this is our way of doing and then if i'm to look at more south american teams it's all it almost feels like they can definitely exist in this in in this end of the spectrum or continuum but a lot of it is about free play and players having that individuality and passion and creativity just explodes out of them that actually you don't see a lot of that on our side of you know
1: yeah and and i think your your national players are pretty much a product of the development programs that they've gone through yeah so if if we have um a culture where you know the the coach is unless they're seen as in complete control of everything that they're not a good coach yeah but actually sometimes a coach who steps back and gives more ownership and choice to his or her players is actually not doing a bad thing they're actually doing a really good thing yeah yeah um it may not look like that in the short term because the players then have to get used to what they do with this extra choice, responsibility and ownership. But long term, it is the way to go. Because if things need to change in a heartbeat on the pitch, I want a number of players saying, well, this is what we should do. And then if either at half time or at some point during the game, you want to check that that's okay, that's fine. But the players feel comfortable and confident enough to make the decisions themselves. When we're working with young children... Allowing them to pro- to play freely and just getting them to feel what it's like when nobody's telling you how to play football, yeah. I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. Know, and, and it will obviously put money in the bank that we can draw on later on.
0: And it's like what we've mentioned in previous podcasts, it's, it's that, that whole give and take relationship between coaches and the children that actually if you're expecting kids to operate fluidly between both ends of the spectrum you as a coach have to be able to exist in in those states and and to do it for want of a better word again fluidly um but if i can i would just like to shoehorn in futsal and obviously with your credentials having been the you know the england futsal head coach for as many years as you were um, and I, I know I kind of briefly mentioned the South American teams and kind of that more f- that free play obviously futsal and baby football are, are really really big in their community and obviously we've talked about introducing a variety of formats into your coaching sessions do you think that futsal is an important thing for coaches to allow kids to experience
1: yeah in the last episode we talked about if you've got an hour a week what what might that look like if you're uh, a coach of a team that has an hour a week and then in the winter goes into a school hall um, during that that winter period, Um, I think having an hour of futsal allows you to work more down that free play end because it is about the players experiencing Mm -hmm. the game and feeling the game and and really getting used to making their own decisions within the game. Um, I think that that would be highly productive for that, that winter break. If um, and I know this may not be possible for lots of grassroots coaches, if periodically you could take your team indoors for a game of futsal, I think that would top up all the work you did on the AstroTurf or on the grass, you know, and it would be a different environment different constraints on the players and and obviously the players would benefit as a result of that
0: because when you see futsal players regardless of nationality the ability that they have to have in terms of controlling the ball the mastery that they have to have over the ball um, and the level of skill that they have to have just to be able to survive in that game and not even not even to be able to score just to survive as an individual in terms of hiding and manoeuvring that ball because it's so intense, it's so fast-paced that I think the introduction of futsal, perhaps if if your kids are ready to experience something that you've just kind of amped up the pressure, you've amped up the intensity, Mm -hmm. that that is a great thing to... To expose them to, because everything seems to happen on a more immediate and a more condensed level, doesn't yeah. it?
1: Well, you mentioned um, a, a little while ago about Brazil and, and that that freedom of expression, um, and and I was lucky enough to go to both Sao Paulo and and to Buenos Aires um, to look at you know the development of their youngest players, and the, and the one thing that's that struck me uh, and and my partner, my work colleague who we went t- together was. In the in the favelas, um, if young children and, and this is not a slight on on Brazilian you know education, but lots of young children, if they have a choice between going to school and, and playing the favelas, they would they would choose playing football or yeah. futsal in the in the favelas. But I, I think Brazilian culture is undergoing. St- these changes as well so that less and less children are having that kind of exposure very early on during their formative years and so that creativity is still there but certainly not to the same extent it was in in the 60s 70s you know and 80s when the brazilian teams were were absolutely you know top of the tree regarding world football so I think if you've got if you've got children coming to you who've had those kind of free play experiences and have accumulated hundreds and hundreds of hours of pickup games, playing with kids who are bigger than you, yeah, smaller yeah. than you, faster than you, what it gives you is a huge bank of resources to draw upon. And then what might be missing or what you might need then is some structure to the way that you play with yeah. others and, and the way that you structure your own game so if children are coming with that then we give them the other bit yeah yeah. I think for for a lot of our children they don't come with certainly that same level of skill and creativity and we don't give it to them because we've still got that stranglehold of what the session looks like and I think freeing it up in that sense will help us make up some ground on those creativity scales, on those uh, skillful scales, yeah. so that, you know, we begin to balance everything out.
0: And that kind of brings us back to that that really, really important thing that it, it it's all about the developing child. It's all about the things that you expose them to, the different sports, the different educations, the different styles of football in its different formats that they can have access to. And then that relationship between the two. If you don't know your children, if you don't know... Their background you don't have to know the whole life story it doesn't yep. have to be a, you know a, an invasion of anyone's privacy parents included but you have to know who you're working with you have to get everybody on board that it is it's very much about a, a personal relationship between coach and child coach and parent but it's also everybody is it's what we said before Everybody is involved in this long-term journey yep. this skills journey this progressive journey that knowing knowing about the, these different ends of the continuum, the free play, the more deliberate play, knowing what they are, knowing how they you know, manifest themselves in a training session. You've got to have that awareness uh, and that knowledge of who you're working with to know where to fit all of this in. Yeah. And you've got to know that about yourself as well, haven't yeah. you?
1: And a perfect example is um, if children have been off for the holidays over, over the summer and you've got a session that coincides with their first day back at school, I would certainly not be working at the diddly but practice end yeah what i would be saying is oh kids that first day that's tough isn't it yeah so we'll have a complete celebration of you coming and enjoying football so we're going to have a tournament it's going to be fun it's going to be high energy but that's me recognizing that the kids have had a six week break from school they've gone back they've probably been sat on all day yeah you know it's been a long hard day for them so let, let's reflect that in, in what we do yeah uh there will be other times when you say actually um and you can prepare them the week before saying next week i really think we need to work on this so be prepared we, we're just gonna you know um be ready to to, to work on on these yeah, things yeah. Um, And I think that is is working effectively with young children because you're preparing them for what might come, but you're certainly taking into account what their day's been like, what their state of mind is like. And you're just trying to keep football as that thing that they all love.
0: Yeah, and it's that honesty of communication that if you give that, you expect that back and that kind of respect grows and grows and will continue with them into whatever sport or whatever industry that they end up falling into that these kids will have learnt and have built that memory of of that interaction
1: absolutely one of the nicest things for me and i've worked with lots and lots of children's groups is when even if it's a group that i haven't worked with for very long that you you know you get your tug on your sleeve and you look down and (laughs) you know and there's a little there's a little fella there and he says i don't quite understand i'm thinking I must have got this environment absolutely right so yeah. i don't see it as a slight on me that yeah. he hasn't understood i just look at the fact that he feels confident enough to sure. come and say to the coach can you explain that again or i don't understand it yeah and and i think we we have to look for these indicators all of the time and we have to we have to almost build a radar to say is this session going well? Has all the energy been drained out of it by what i just said or yeah. what I've just done or for how long I've you know, i spoken for? And if you build that radar, you can then begin to say, oh, it's dipping, I need to do this. Or, oh, th- it's going to go off the scale in a minute, so I'll just bring it down a little bit. And that can be done by manipulating the rules and constraints. It can, by quickly saying, right, let's have a drinks break. Yeah. And then you calm everybody down and then you go again. Yeah, yeah. So that only comes with experience and and a lot of the things we've spoken about that will become easier as coaches become more practiced and more confident in their in their you know craft really
0: and it's like it's and again and I'm aware that this episode whether we are summarizing everything that we've spoken about which is which is what we're doing right now that I know we've mentioned in previous podcasts that it's it's, it's a journey that everybody is involved in and that actually the journey is only really going to be as successful as we all want it to be if we're all open and honest about yeah. where we are. And so if the if coach can go, I want to try this next week, everybody just be aware that this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. This is my short-term goal. This is my long-term goal. And that also you want to create an environment where coaches can get it wrong because you, you sometimes yeah coaches will get it wrong sometimes kids will get things wrong sometimes parents will get things wrong that is that's just human nature yeah. and actually i hope that in these podcasts that that, that that's been understood that we're not ex, we're not asking coaches to be perfect all the time because it's unsustainable but as long as you're open and honest and go oh that didn't quite work so everybody were on board to get this back on track and yeah. it can happen like that it can take a good few minutes yeah. but we're bu- it's again practice building up that awareness for everybody involved
1: yeah i think coaches get very protective you know if if the session's not going well they see it as a reflection on them yeah. it could be a million things and i always say to coaches you're not the best coach in the world if your team wins you're not yeah. the worst coach in the world if your team loses we've got to keep that that equilibrium if you like knowing that there will be highs and lows. Yeah. And I think part of our role is to just help children cope with all of the joys and sadness that sport can bring, but deal with those things with respect, with sportsmanship and, and with kindness. Yeah. And, you know, and and I think that comes through the way that we act and it comes through with the things that we reinforce with our yeah. children. Because part of this noticing um, the children it's not just about a great turn or a great shot it's about how kind they were if if they handed somebody a bib yeah you know or if they if they shared a sandwich with them you know with their friend it's noticing all of those things that little by little build the environment and the you know the the atmosphere that you want to create for yeah. your to bring these children up in even though it's only in a football yeah. sense
0: and i think that brings us really nicely to back to our key messages number one the developing child it's not the developing football player it's the developing child and the child will be developing cognitive skills physical skills social skills which in the interactions that you just mentioned don't necessarily have to be between the child and the coach it's how the the child interacts with the the, the fellow you know teammates that it's all of these things that we have to be aware of and to look at because their development isn't their development in the context of football it's their development as a human being as a, as a, as a small yeah. human being moving forward and then obviously we go into key message number two about those variety of formats the different sports different physical activities and then football that we've got to look at the child first what do they need what specific needs do they have mm. so maybe this maybe it's basketball like we mentioned in the last session maybe it's tag rugby maybe they all need to learn how to you know move quickly or maneuver themselves and we build up that kind of development and then obviously the coach's job is the relationship between those two and I feel obviously I'm not a coach myself but you would just hope that any coach moving forward and you hope like you said in the previous episode coaches are going I always I do always consider these things or oh that sounds like a lot of my sessions because that's it's what you want ultimately we're not here to shame anybody
1: no absolutely it's- not i think i think what you've just described particularly with the the last point about the coach is that I, th- I think we're asking we're asking coaches to look at repositioning themselves so instead of being front and center all the time and there will be times when they need to be yeah. but they they need to be comfortable being a facilitator as well as the instigator of everything yeah and if you facilitate it is saying to the players, I am giving this opportunity for you to learn independently of me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to observe, and if you need help, my observations should help you, because yeah, yeah. I'll be able to give you the right advice. But I am giving you ownership and choice over what this looks like, and I think that's a really important step. It's one that some children will you know, accept readily, mm-hmm. and they'll love it, because you know they're responsible for their own learning for other children they need to get used to being given that kind of responsibility but if the coach doesn't build in those um opportunities during the season the seasons that they're they're with the children then we're never going to know what what they're capable of doing
0: and i mean obviously everybody wants that in a few years time england win the world cup and it's just the best year of everyone's lives that that is that, that that is a collective want for so many football yes, fans please. yes please absolutely and obviously we're this whole the whole reason that we created these podcasts and this resource is that we're, we're just shining a spotlight on that awareness that it begins at, at the foundation phase mm. and then continues all the way up like Murph robert said that actually there's players at age 16 who are still That they're still developing that just because they've they look fully grown doesn't mean that their development has been halted that actually if we can just get everybody on board and it's going to take patience it's going to take time it's going to take kindness but if this is a whole everybody approach and all the coaches across the country kind of go do you know what this is what we want because when coaches go home and they watch football games at the end of the day with their friends with their partners they want to see successful football at the end of it that they've got such an important role to play. And how magical is that, that they have the opportunity to be involved in, in that process? Yeah,
1: and they do. And I think we've put together these five episodes and there's a lot of information included in all of them. That There's really one key message that stands out. We have to make a commitment as a nation and as individual coaches to produce players who are more skillful and can compete at the highest level yeah so coaches might be listening to this saying well we already do that i'm not sure we've embraced this idea of skillfulness both in ourselves as coaches but also as players yeah. to the point where people look at england and say well i know what type of player they produce they are skillful they are tricky they are cunning yeah, you know yeah. they are they've got great game understanding I want I want other nations, other coaches to look at our country and say, Do you know what? You want skillful players, go to England. Go to England. And I think if if you're planning your session or you're speaking with your children or you're setting out your playing philosophy, I would be thinking, Is what I'm doing helping the players become more skillful? Mm-hmm. If I'm playing one V one. What skills is that developing? Yeah. If I'm if I'm putting in tag rugby, what physical skills might that be helping the children with? If I'm stepping back and allowing them to make more choices on their own, are they developing those independent decision making skills? Yeah. Because if you're planning things and every time you look at it, you say, "Well, I don't think that's making them more skillful," I would say, "Well, that has to go in the bin." Yeah. So we've got a real opportunity, and I think we're just lighting the blue touch paper with these uh, podcasts. And I hope that we get lots of interaction because we want to meet your needs as developing coaches, just as, you know, as coaches, we want to meet the yeah, needs yeah. of the players. Um, so let's really concentrate on this notion of producing more skillful players. And that doesn't mean just for football, because if we produce skillful children, and they don't choose football, but choose something else, then that's going to be great skills, anyway.
0: Yeah, well, that's what we said. So as, as Dad just said there, we, we would really love to hear, or if you guys want to write in the comments, send an email if you, if you have my dad's email, and just get in touch and let us know if there's anything that you would like us to elaborate on, if there's any points that you would like a, a, a very specific video on, a condensed video, please let us know in the comments and we'll do our best to facilitate that. Um, and as always... I think we should end this podcast on that really, really lovely quote. Yeah, please the remember,
1: away, I mean, you will be getting fed up of this by <laughs> now, but I never do because love will always be a better teacher than a sense of duty.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us for these five episodes of the DNA Insights and we hope to see you soon.